What's up, Yankee fans? We are back with another episode of Yankee Crazy Podcast. And on today's show, we got a treat for you. We have the host of Section 420, Talking Yankees, James F. Zeiss. He is an awesome guy. Love his opinions. Love his takes. He even started to do a little bit of interviewing on me because, uh, you know, like I said, he is host of his own show. You can find that on YouTube and some cable access networks in New York City. So give you the details on that. But loved having James on the show. Really funny guy. I had started following him on Instagram and I connected with him because of his sense of humor. It's, it's, <laughs> I feel like he has that dry sense of humor that I think is really, really funny. Not only is he a host of his own show, but he's a filmmaker. He's an actor. And it's just awesome. Loved having him on the show. Can't wait for the next one. And like we talk about in that, hopefully we get him on the show during the season. Yes, the 2020 season. What's going to happen? <sighs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's some crazy times, but read a story last night, quick, not even a story, just a, a, a quick blurb about it, that MLB has come to an agreement with the Players Associ- Association on some sort of agreement for a 2020 shortened season or extended season, you know, not sure what's going to happen with all this going on. We are hopeful that we're going to get baseball in. So they have this plan, heard talk of baseball coming back by June, July. That would be fantastic because we need it. Yesterday was supposed to be opening day. We were all supposed to be watching Garrett Cole on the mound in Baltimore to start the new season and, you know, hopefully a dynasty. Wouldn't that be great? Garrett Cole coming over, starting a new Yankees dynasty, and unfortunately, we didn't get it. Not sure if anyone did the opening day at home I didn't even do it. I should have should have posted some pictures, should have put on my Yankees Jeter away jersey that I always wear on opening day. I might have to do it today. But anyway, we hope for baseball being back and really hope that everybody is doing their part to combat what is going on with this virus. So, you know... Staying at home, washing your hands, you know the drill, all of that stuff so that we can stop this virus, stop the spread, and especially in New York, New York having a really tough time with it and really, really hoping and praying for people uh, that are being affected by it. But that's it, guys. I am going to now let you listen to this interview. We're going to take a quick break and be back with it. And again, go check out James on all his social media and we get into it on this. And it was a lot of fun. Hope you enjoy it. Hope this is a distraction from any sort of stress you might be dealing with in these challenging times. All right. We will see you soon, guys. Enjoy the interview. All right. And we have a special interview for you guys today. And I have the honor and privilege of talking with James Zeiss. He is actor, filmmaker, and I think most importantly, has his own YouTube series called Section 420, Talking Yankees. James, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And you, you left out, um, you know, marine biologist, but I, that's actually a lie. I'm not a marine biologist. <laughs> marine biologist. If you guys want to go, well, I shouldn't say if you want to go, you have to go check out James on all social media. I'm pretty sure you are James F as in 
Fabulous. Fabulous. Zeiss. But really, it's Francis. I used to get beat up in, high, in school for that, but yeah. <laughs> let's, let's keep the F of fabulous. Oh, yes. Perfect. And it's Z-E-I-S-S. And if you notice on a lot of his acting posts, when, they, when people need the sexy character, they go to James. So you could be playing a sexy marine biologist probably in the future. I can see it. Yeah, it's, coming, it's coming down the pike. I know that. <laughs> Problem is that a lot of the shows, like, um, you know, they need a boost in the ratings. Or I think the day before, the director of photography looks at the, sh- the shot and says, you know, we need to sex this up. So then you know, <laughs> I'll get an email or text, like, are you available? And they're like, thank God he is. And that's what happened. <laughs> I can't do it all the time because then it wears out. But, you know, once in a while, you know, here and there, a few episodes. They know who to go to for, exactly. the, for the sexy part. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, James, let's get, we are obviously going to be talking about the Yankees um, and we'll see where it goes. Maybe it'll go into uh, acting and, and how to, how you play the sexy character in everything, but let's go over the elephant in the room. And that is the Yankees baseball season being suspended, canceled, postponed we don't even know what's going on exactly yeah what is your take on this it's just bizarre because i think like what are they gonna do with i mean obviously the season itself you know you can't go past november so you can't really play 162 games i don't think but at the same time like and also like you kind of need a spring training again so all these pitches have to get up to speed with the arm strength and so it's like I know right now the Yankees are staying down t- Tampa, you know, working out, but like, all right. But then it's like at some point it's like, all right, can we play baseball? So I don't know. It's weird. I just think, you know, I, they're throwing around all sorts of, you know, things. May is going to start June. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be weird is how, so if that's the case, I mean, look at what, like 110 game season. And then the thing too, even like you can have a super team that's stacked like the Yankees. Well, what if you get off to a bad start? You don't have that recovery time to like, all right, we could get hot in the second season and make up. Right. Now it's like you can't afford the fullback. And we'll see what happens. I mean, it's just it's just kind of weird. I just, you know, I think we'll we will have baseball and you know, we're in this fifteen day quarantine period. Maybe get stretched a little bit, but I just think the world, the economy is every like we we have to get back to life eventually, you know. It's just uh so, you know, maybe hopefully just by late May late May we're finally playing some real baseball. But that's my take. I just say, you know, how the spring training, you're going to have to do it again. I don't know how that's going to work out. And again, you're looking at maybe now a shortened season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I was talking about this on my last episode about, you know, I even had said perfect scenario I saw at this point. Like what if they play – uh, you know, the condensed season, you know, I was being really hopeful at 130 games, but you're more in tune with it, I think, where it would be like 110 games at this point. And I thought, would people, and I was saying, if the Yankees were to go on to win the World Series, how many people would would jump on it and say, oh, it's not a real championship. It's a condensed season. They They don't deserve the world series title but i was saying i would no matter who won excuse me and i also said i prefaced it with you know i hate to say it but if the red sox or the astros were to win i would consider it a real championship um i hate saying that but i think it would be a legitimate championship i think you know you have to deal with what comes your way and whoever were to win the world series it would in my book it would be a real championship. Yeah. And I don't think like right now, um, yeah, cause everyone's on the same situation. So everyone's got to play the same amount of games. It's almost like right. if you remember the, the NBA lockout, the, the last time the Knicks went to the, the finals, like it was like 99. They had yeah. like that short season. Like it was a stacked, te- they were a good team, but like, again, they got off to a bad start. So technically they finished as an eight seed team, but they knocked off the heat, went to the finals. Now they lost in the finals, but you know, that Spurs team that won sound like, well, they're not real champions. No, they were just a better team. So I don't think people look at it that way. And I think a little bit, you'll see a little sympathy for the Yankees because even for Yankee haters, I just think people kind of realize they, they get screwed over by the Astros possibly twice in these, you know, 2017 and 2019. So I don't think they'll 
I don't think the Yankees will have to face that thing. Well, you know, again, it's a short season, not real. So I think yeah. people like this Yankee team has been really good for like 17, 18, 19. So it's not like, I can see if there's some fluke that came out of nowhere or even like how, where the Mets are, like the Mets are getting better. And now if they went to the world series, you're like, well, no, it doesn't count. But I think people know or the Yankees are pretty much established as they're a really, really good team. Just haven't won the championship yet. So I don't think they would hold them again. They won't give them that little asterisk stuff like that. I don't think that would come up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're always gonna have Yankee haters for the, but I don't think they'll exactly. hate for that reason. But I was thinking more like um, also with all this stuff going on with, with Cole, it's like, all right, you sign this guy for a ton of money, and maybe doesn't even pitch this year. You know, is oh, I, I know. Like, right? I guess more power to him, but he's like, he's making thirty mil this year. He's like, all right, I'm just chilling, whatever. I'm just resting <laughs> off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It is, it is nuts. It is really nuts. But let's backtrack. Let's hear. I'm, I'm a big fan of origin stories, whether it's you know comic books, movies, etc. So what? is your Yankees origin story. How did you become a fan? How did you get into the whole Yankee culture? Well, I was actually um, a Cardinals fan. I got kidnapped on the streets and then talked to me. Yeah, well, I'm from the Bronx, so obviously kind of limited choice there. But I was, well, exactly. you know, I was growing up in the 80s, but really I say the big influence is probably more my family, but more my uncle. I mean, he's a diehard nut Yankee fan. Um, oh, yeah. Literally, like, um, talking about season tickets going back to way back when he's actually quite it down now because he's a little older in life and not that he's like decrepit but it's, it's hard for him to get to the stadium as much yeah. anymore but I'm yeah. talking about like he watches every game like even if he's not at the stadium he's home so obviously that had a big influence on me and I just think that growing up in the Bronx in the 80s is Don Madden even though the Yankees teams were garbage back then I think just the presence is Don Mattingly and Ricky Henderson and Dave yeah. Winfield. There was just such a presence. So I just remember just growing up, just, you know, always running the base, you know, get a pack of baseball cards and just look, scurrying to them, looking for a Yankee and like, you know, looking. And just in general, like I remember in like second grade, I think I had like a Willie Randolph, like a folder. So it was just, <laughs> so it was just Yankees always around me. So I was yeah. like the Yankees. And yeah, it's it very tempting because remember in the 80s, a lot of the Mets were on the high. You know, and I remember just going to school yeah. and like half, half the kids were like walking around Mets. But it always seemed like the, to me, the, the Mets, like the logo and the colors, it just seemed like a bizarre world to me. For some, <laughs> even though, okay, great, the Mets were the better team at the, the franchise at the time. But there's something about the Mets that seemed like off a bit. It's like, like I don't know, just like the, some weird cousin or something. So, <laughs> so I, was, yes. I, was, I was able to resist the temptation of bandwagon and jump into the Mets. So you know, I stuck with the Yankees. I'll say uh, it really kicked into the next level. I'd say around 93, 94, because that's when they started like building something. That's when you started, you know, obviously I got old by that point. I think I was about 12, 13 years old. So, you know, I understood the game a little bit better. So I was able to get into it, understand it a little more. And then that's at the point where you had like uh, Paul O'Neill came over and Jimmy Key and Wade yep. Boggs. Don Manning, it was Evie was there, but he was kind of on his last leg, but he was still there. So that's when it started to build in me. And then by 94, oh, great, during the playoffs. And um, I'm not playoffs, sorry. They were looking at a playoff team. They got yeah. to strike short season. 95, they entered the playoffs finally. And that's kind of when I was at my, you know, really getting up there. And it's, I was really such so heartbroken when they got eliminated by Seattle. Just like, oh, oh. really? I was actually angry at them. I didn't want to see or look anything Yankees until maybe <laughs> opening day next year. So I was like, oh, my God, you up? two games and nothing against Seattle. And it's like they had leads in all those three games in the 95 ALDS and yeah. on the road. I mean, I understand it's Randy Johnson, Edgar Martinez crushing, but it was just like you could have won. All you had to do was win one of those three games. You couldn't do it. It was such a bummer. So, yeah, so I, I guess just for me growing up, this is more family being in the Bronx and, you know, just looking for Don Manley baseball cards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man, I am with you. Those Don Manley rookie cards. I remember – trying i was a big baseball card uh collector and autograph collector and um man those those mattingly rookie cards were like gold back then used to tried to oh i was always looking for mattingly rookie cards <laughs> that was i can still see the picture of it too Got yeah, it. and even like the scrub yank like a, you go to a pack of like 88 don russ baseball cards and even like a scrub yankee like you know dan pasqua or something like that you like <laughs> yeah like just because you had found someone with a yankee uniform and then like you 
cut yes. together. And I used to be, yeah, I used to go nuts with baseball cards. Even before eBay, it used to be something called Teletrade. I'm not sure if you ever did no, that. No, I don't know that one. Basically, it was bidding, but it was done through a, um, a phone. So basically, you would get like a, a black and white little like magazine, like a flyer, basically like a racing form for people that go to the racing track. Uh-huh. And, you know, they would have baseball cards, comic books, really anything. And this was, again, this was a little before eBay. And basically, you would call in a bid. So, oh. yeah, you know, and my dad kind of got into it too. And he would just buy all these like 1960s cards and 50s cards. One time he even bought a Babe Ruth card, but he, he sent it back. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So, what they would do is they would send you the card and you had like a little grace period that if you weren't happy with it, you could send it back. So, uh, to this day, I mean, well, again, it's, it's his money, not my money. So, he bought this Babe Ruth card. I, he might have paid uh, maybe like 800 for it at the time. It was like a 1933 Bowman something. Problem is it was a, and and the, the thing came in a, a it wasn't just like a glass case but it was like a brick and like a baseball <laughs> it was like a brick uh, glass case and the base the Babe Ruth card was in there thing was like it was kind of faded out a little bit but it's like who cares it's Babe Ruth like yeah he sent it back it's probably worth who knows three times more than oh. but I physically we had a Babe Ruth card in our possession but he sent it back but again it's, you know it's not my eight hundred dollars it was his so yeah. Oh man, that's funny. Wow. I, yeah, I never heard of that. That, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy when you look back and you, and you look at technology and et cetera with, um, you know, with everything and who knew I had no idea that was going on. I, 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 I probably wish I did. It might've been after, but it sounds like it was probably after I got out of my big baseball collecting phase yeah, and I phase that too. Just because, like, obviously, you know, you get older, you get other responsibilities, but also it's just like the whole market drop. Like, I'm the I have so many great cards with probably their value, probably nosedive. That's why I don't I don't bother like looking them up or trying to sell them. It's just it's just have it to have it. But um, yeah, that whole market just belly flopped down. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, a couple of I don't know, I think it was a couple of months ago or or something like that. I thought about I still have a ton of cards in my mom's attic, and. I was thinking about them and I'm like, oh, I should look up some of that. And I started doing some research and uh, I guess back in the day in like this, during those 80s years uh, that we're talking that I guess baseball card collecting was so big that tops like churned out so many cards that so many of them that we thought were so valuable back then are not very valuable because there were so many on the market. I don't know if that has changed, but I was kind of bummed. I was thinking I had some like uh, millions and millions of dollars still sitting in my, uh, in my mom's attic, but uh, <laughs> not, not to be. Well, the funny story about that, um, my dad and my uncle, this is going back to the 50s and 60s, uh, my grandfather's house, obviously it was their house growing up. What they used to do, um, I guess to spite each other, they would have like, you know, they would have their room, but in the room, there was a closet. In the closet, there was a floorboard, and there was obviously little spaces between the floorboard. And I guess to like spite each other, you know, if they were mad or fighting, they would take each other's cards and th- dump them <laughs> down there. You know, so I heard this story like, that, you know, maybe in the late middle 90s, and I think, wow, maybe there's Mickey Mantle cards and great things down oh, there. So yeah. one day, uh, you know, I went there, my dad, we just... We just tore up the floorboards to look for it. We figured we'd find like gold, but it was nothing. It was like some old like matchbox car and maybe like a chunk of hair, but yeah, no baseball cards. So I guess that story was a myth, but I thought it was like a treasure trove of just like you oh. know, mint cards down there. And back in those days, they had all those cards, but again, they you didn't understand the market. They all got, tra- they, you know, oh, yeah. now, they got trashed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow, that would have been amazing. That would have been <laughs> sick if you guys pulled out like a Mickey Mantle rookie or something. Oh. Like a, yeah, like, oh, you like, you would, like, you would, like glow around it. But in terms of you like being able to watch the games, I guess, you know, with the time zone, like how do you work that into your life? I guess like the games there would be starting four in the afternoon. Like, would, like how does that work for you? Yeah, you know, it is a little bit tricky, but it actually can work out really well. Because I can be, you know, I can be listening to it depending on where I am. Um, you know, I run my own business now, so I've got the flexibility to be able to listen if I'm in my office or on a job site. Um, but, you know, I used to be, you know, when I was working in an office, not running my own business, um, I would be able to listen to it um, at four o'clock. And then when I was commuting home 
I would get to listen to it. So it's it, it, I gotta say it's nice watching games and a lot of sports on the West Coast because you get you kind of get them done early. Whereas exactly. you have like a life afterwards. Yeah, and especially the playoffs. You know, oh, with yeah. the playoffs can go like super late, and you know if you're you know I'll, I'll be on like Twitter while I'm watching a playoff game and so many people, I forget, I forget which, which game it was uh, that the Yankees last year um, went pretty late. I can't remember. Like, I think it went to like one, maybe something like that, or I don't know, maybe I'm, 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 maybe I'm thinking of like just the West coast games during the regular season, but it's, it's funny. Cause you know, I lived in New York for so long and I remember being, you know, going to playoff games and, being out and then having to go to work the next day. And now it's like, Oh yeah. A late game is over at like 10 o'clock here. <laughs> like that's like a extra inning, super late game when everything else is like in the eight thirty range. And it's, uh, it's almost like you have the rest of your night. <laughs> so it's, uh, it does work out. You know, sometimes it's a little tricky because you obviously sometimes four o'clock, uh, when a game is starting you, uh, you know, I can't get to it. But for the most part, it works out kind of well because um, I can, you know, be doing other stuff and listening to it or, you know, now, you know, nowadays with, with phones that can, you know, be listening to it and still working or doing other things. So it, it definitely, I definitely like it. It definitely works out. So what was like the last playoff game at the stadium you were at? Oh, let's see. Last playoff game. Well, let's see. We moved from New York. We were living in West Harlem in 2011. No, 12. 2012. So we had moved in May of 2012 to the West Coast. And so I guess, man, that's a good question. Let's see. 2011 uh wow i'd have to think back i'm sure yankees i know made the playoffs in 2011 right i think that been the year they got eliminated by detroit i think they might have got like swept or because i remember 2010 is when we lost to texas because that's the year we should have won but we couldn't get cliff lee cliff lee went to texas yes shockingly they go to the world series 2011 it feels like because we had like two years where like we got thumped by detroit like two years in a row so I think 2011, we, I just can't remember the details, but I think we got dumped, dumped by Detroit. And in 2012, one of those was like the, the Raul Labanez little run. Where yeah, like, yeah. And I was yeah. actually at that game where that like, was, uh, Girardi benched A-Rod to pinch hit Abanez and he hits yes. a home run. Yes. Place explodes. And then he hits another one like the 11th or 12th inning to win the game. I mean, that was – that was insane. Uh, yeah, it was probably around that time. I can't remember. That was that that year that you're talking about with Abanez was 2012 because I remember yeah. being in California already. Um, you know, 2011 must have been a. Um, I was probably at a game. It probably wasn't good because <laughs> I'm completely blanking it out. Yeah, I think that's the one like we got eliminated by like Doug Fister. I, I think that was a that, Detroit beat us. Like that sounds familiar. Yeah, I think that's what it was. No, because I remember there was one game. Uh, like, uh, I think AJ Burnett actually pitched, like we needed him to win the game and he won it. It was like game four in Detroit. He actually, it was like his one, like his, you know, his last yeah. Yankee glory. And then I think game five was at home at the stadium. And I, yeah, that was the one where like Yvonne Nover, like whatever, he, he, he couldn't get out of the first inning. I think he tore us something in his elbow. So he gave up like two home runs in the first inning. They had to yank him out. And it was like a bullpen bullpen by committee the rest of the way and we lost like five to three or something that's i think we lost in five games in 20 yeah i think that's, yeah that's and in fact actually that might be in the time not too no no i i think 12 is one where Gita broke his ankle where he, like that ankle that like, came off the bone in that game that, that oh was oh my goodness yeah because what yeah. happened there i think of that one and i was actually at the game that's one where we were losing four nothing in the ninth inning four nothing raul bani is again having this on fire that 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 brief period hit a grand mm-hmm. slam to tie the game or something yeah yeah and uh it was yeah and it was 4-4 and i think an extra innings was like the 12th inning i think whatever there was some issue with nick swish and misplayed a ball in the outfield and whatever it led to the inning continuing and that's what jita eventually that whatever the foot ripped off his ankle or whatever yeah and, and fans were actually getting on swisher about it just for like not making the play that whatever but 
that Yankee team was That's like, you right. know, it, it, you know, this, they were there, but it wasn't like a championship team. So it's like, don't blame Schleicher, you know, come on. <laughs> right. Wow. That is, you know, now that you are bringing all that up, it's kind of coming back into my memory. I remember obviously the Jeter issue and the Swisher, the, the Swisher misplaying that ball. That's right. I do remember that now. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm probably trying to black out. Yeah. Those, those like weird years. <laughs> I think they were like holding on to like these like icons, like A-Rod and Jeter and even Posada and Mariano. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like they're trying to transition to younger, but they really couldn't do it. So it was kind of a, like, it was always a good Yankee team those years, but it wasn't like championship level. Just, you know, that's just where they right. finally right. said, you know, all right, Jeter retired, Mo retired, let's tear it down in 2016. And, you know, now we got what we got, which is good. But uh, that was it. Yeah, that was like that weird period. It's like, we're not, we're not championships anymore. We're not garbage. But it was kind of like a slow death those years, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was. It would, they, it would be like those little glimmers of hope. And it just, they, you know, just never had a team, obviously, to put them over the top. Yeah, we really should repeat it in 2010. It's just, I think it was at that trade deadline. Um, I think at the time Seattle, whatever, they wanted Yvonne Nova or something. And Cashman would include him in the deal. Because at the time, you know, he figured he was going to be a hot thing. He figured yeah. he'd be what uh, um, Severino is now mm, minus yep. to Tommy John. So I guess they held on to him. But, but you know, we basically, if we would have given Nova, we would have gotten Cliff Fleet. We definitely would have repeated in 2010, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, that was tough. That was tough not getting Cliff Lee. Yeah, he was, he was like the big prize and uh yeah i think it was was it the story that his wife did not want to move to new york i can't remember but yeah there was a little of that something thing. like that it was blamed on <laughs> it was some little thing like that yeah we've heard that before saying to greg maddox whatever he didn't want to come to new york but i think yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's funny but like you know once the money gets involved like, oh yeah sure i'll come yeah no problem. Yeah, exactly right but yeah, and but it's funny how Cliff Lee just like he was awesome for like three years almost like sandy colfax and it is like this disintegrated like he this, like he was yeah. awesome, like oh nine, uh, ten, eleven, yep. and then he's like him and like Holiday just like dis like just dropped off the face of the earth. I guess they got that championship with the you know whatever the Phillies, and then it's like they just lost their skills. I don't know. What yeah, doing. yeah, yeah. That was a quick drop off on Cliff Lee because he was just dominating, and then all of a sudden it was like, wow, he's done, gone. So going back to the stadium, what's like your greatest, I guess, game you've, you attended, like excitement or whatever? One that really sticks out to me is being at the Jeter Mr. November game. Oh, cool. You're at that. That was just incredible. We were, I was with a buddy of mine in the Centerfield bleachers and it was just Man, you know, that whole series, that oh, whole yeah. series was just to me, sick. It's, it's funny, like, um, I would say my two favorite Yankee runs, obviously I say number one is 96, just because it was the first one of, yeah. that, of that era. Yeah. I actually put number two, the 2001, even though they lost, I would say games oh, yeah. four and five were just unbelievable, just to experience that. And just like that little tease at game seven where Soriano hit the home run off his shilling and we're oh. winning two to one. Mariano comes in, he has a clean eighth, and he's like, oh, my God, they're going to do this. Four in a row. And, you know, that yeah. obviously that bottom of the ninth was like a horror show. That That's something you want to forget, definitely. But I think the 2001, that was, you know, again, it was just such a great world. Even though they lost to me, that's that my favorite second, uh, second favorite World Series run behind 96. Yeah, well, that's that's good for you to put a positive spin. That 2001 series, you know, obviously we had uh, 9-11 happen, and it was like the Yankees were the were the great New York hope. And um, it was just yeah. it was like it, the ultimate distraction because, like, literally they yeah. were like pulling stuff out of the rubble of not down by ground zero. And like again, I'm sure if you saw that that HBO documentary, it was like I don't know, like 11 miles away from. Ryan 11. There's some document yeah, they, they yeah. did like an HBO short film on the whole deal. It's just like that whole period, incredible. Like, you don't know if there's going to be another attack. And yep. at the same time, you got, you know, got to play these games. And the Yankees, I mean, at least that, that Tory dynasty was kind of on his last legs, but they kind of like a last stand, you know, at the Alamo. So, yeah. 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 Uh, but unfortunately, Mariano picked the uh, wrong. Uh, and funny with that game, too, there was a couple of plays. I meant there was one like a little dribble to Brocious. Like, he, I forgot what he did, but, like, he charged the ball, but, like, he could have made a play on it, but he held it, like, a little bit of that. And it was a, a situation with Jeter where 
Um, you know, he was covering second, and a guy slid in. He, he could have made it. So, like, yeah, Mariano wasn't sharp. We all know that. But also, he had a couple of fielding blunders behind him as well. So, But, of course, you know, the, the focus is always on Mo in that inning. Yeah, yeah, it is. And still that, you know, that hit, it's, uh, it, it's still haunting. That, yeah, little that broken bad bloop into center field. Ugh. And you take Ugh. Luis Gonzalez. I think that year he had 54 home runs out of nowhere. And it's like, you want to talk about PEDs, but I'm not going to play. <laughs> yeah. And look, I, I would admit I, probably 30% of the Yankees were on PEDs as well at certain times. Right. So I'm not going to. Like, there was one interview, I think um, Tino Martinez was on some radio show in Florida, and some guy brought it up, and literally, I don't know if Tino literally just hung up the phone on the guy. Oh, really? Like, I don't think, you know, like, because I think Tino, like, at first, we, we first got him, like, he was a 20, 25 home run guy. Then you remember 97, he hit, like, 40 something yeah and i think some yeah. dude just like asked him the question like after he retired and he was just like hung up so oh man so again i'm sure every guy was dipping the sauce back then that's why like even the, you know i don't point too much of like barry bonds you you steroids you're a cheater it's like like a lot of guys were doing it you know probably not true. cheater but a lot of guys true true it was yeah it was just that time so it's almost like in a way, hate to say it, but was like a level playing field. So yeah, it was out there, and, and yeah. to this day, dudes are getting busted. So you know they're still doing it, and now you have all the stuff to add. I mean, everyone's trying to get ahead. So exactly, exactly. Again, it's not great for the game, but and even back in the old days, I mean, guys were doing like you know what they called them greenies, yep. things yep. like that, and it was scuffing up the ball. You know, right? Putting uh, you know razor blades in their in their belt and like cutting up the laces of the ball. You know, so there's all this stuff going on. You know. Yeah, yeah. There's always always somebody trying to uh, get an edge. Um, and, obviously, and, now uh, with the with the Astros cheating scandal, and still waiting to hear what's going to happen with the Red Sox, and if we ever hear anything about that. Um, you know, I talked about on the show how I'm I'm just really <laughs> one of the things I'm really upset about with no baseball and this whole craziness going on is how I hope people don't forget what the Astros did. And it's, it's really frustrating because I was looking forward to everyone booing the Yankees, uh, Yankees booing the Astros um, and throwing at them. Oh, they're going to really hear it. Bummed. That's why I always say like people like, well, they don't, you know, they say, okay, they punished the manager and the GM and they're the only ones that really got, but of course, Beltron and Cora. But I think it's in terms of the Astros, I mean, if there's ever going to be, like looking at an asterisk towards a, a championship, it's going to be that year. So yeah. it's like their punishment's going to be that. Like, so anytime Altuve hits a home run, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. You know, like yeah, yeah. that's going to be their punishment. Yeah. No one's going to like look at them like as a great team, even though they are. I mean, they got a lot of talent, but again, their punishment's going to be just like everyone's going to kind of turn their back on them. No one's going to like respect them. And people have been like, Judge has been adamant about it. In Clay uh, Bellinger, not Clay. Um, yeah, Corey Bellinger. Uh, Cody you know, Bellinger, yeah. Yeah, it was got the two of them mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of current Yankees, what is – let's go around the horn and hear some of your takes on the current team or what we think this 2020 team could be. Let's start with – Let's let's just start. We'll we'll, maybe, we'll see if we get to the pitcher, the pitching staff. But let's start at catcher, Gary Sanchez. What's some thoughts on him? No, I'm very happy the way he bounced back last year. Just in terms of you know, uh, th this is defensive skills behind the plate. Looks like he's you know blocking balls better. He's gotten better, and I think you know I think he was going to really be set for a monster season this year because remember he had the off season arthroscopic surgery on his shoulder something like he had some cl stuff clearing out like uh, last right. off season yeah so he was great last year but so even you come back you still bodies to heal so I think his body be like one hundred percent so I think he was going to be set up for a monster year and again it seemed like he's a little more mature a little more disciplined again blocking the ball better so. Um, you know, and to have a catcher like that is again that gives us the advantage of any other. It's like no one has a hitting catcher like that. Um, again, he doesn't have the defensive skills of Romine. Romine might be a little better, but still, Sanchez is fine. Got a cannon for an arm. He like guns people down left and right. So, um, you know, that's obviously that's someone you want behind the dish, sort of like Posada for the next you know twelve years. Yeah, I you know I hope so. I hope so. Gary uh, Sanchez to me can be very frustrating. Um, I think he cares about the game, but I feel like sometimes he looks so nonchalant. 
And, um, you know, that was the thing about Posada. He was so intense. Yeah. It was- I loved it. And Gary Sanchez, I'm sure he cares, but I want to see a little more fire in him. And I've actually been calling it uh, the Gary Sanchez experiment because I feel he has not put together a full season. And whether that's from, you know, injuries, etc. cetera, um, I feel like this has got to be his proving year. And he's got to step up, Ho- hopefully. You know, it's, it's so crazy to talk about the season and, and, and it'd be a question mark at this point. But hopefully we get that 2020 season in and he has a monster year. Like and, th- and there was a good moment, if you remember, uh, th- this past um, uh, series against the Astros. It was, I think it was game one where Tanaka just dominated. You know, there was a situation late yeah. in the game. It might have been like the sixth inning. There was two runners on, two out. And I guess maybe Sanchez had a, a sniff that they were doing this stuff, you know, stealing the signs. So I think, like, Tanaka kept shaking him off. So mm-hmm. Sanchez went up yeah. to him, told him whatever he told him. Tanaka threw whatever his pitch and struck the guy out, got out of the inning. And, again, it was just a m- very mature thing. I don't know what he t- told Tanaka, whatever he did. But, again, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, again, he, he does frustrate. I, I don't think the whole thing where he doesn't talk to the media is like, well, I don't speak English. But then you see him and Judge talking on the side. So, um, yeah. you know, he, again, he could be a little more accountable with that. But, again, if he doesn't want to talk to the media, I don't, I don't really care. But you kind of should. You know, you kind of go into the faces of the fran- you know, franchise. But, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little more maturing to do. But, again, a raw talent like that, again, as long as he's not, like, doing anything crazy, you definitely want to hold on to him. Yeah, you know, it's funny. My brother and I were texting during that uh, exchange uh, and that game with Sanchez and um, uh, and um, Tanaka. I almost called him Matsui. I'm sorry. I do it too. <laughs> but, Don't worry about it. Um, my brother was like, "What do you? What language do you think these guys are talking?" Because Gary Sanchez talks to the media with exactly. a translator, and so does Tanaka. So we were cracking up about that. But yeah, you know, I used to get. Um, I used to get a little bit like, well, you know, what, a little frustrated with guys speaking through interpreters and be like, you know, they got to be talk. Like you said, they're going up to the mound. They, they got to be talking. And then someone, I either read an article or, or someone was talking about it and they were saying how a lot of these guys want to, um, want to speak English well and want to be looked at in a good light and not have broken English. And I thought yeah. about that and I'm like, yeah, hey, you know what? That, that makes sense. I can, I can understand that. And um, so I stopped, I stopped getting on anyone's cases who was speaking through an interpreter, especially like years after they've been in the league, but I yeah. get it. I can understand it. I know some beat reporter, I think, for the Oakland A's, uh, when she, she used to cover when Cespedes was with the athletics. But she used to say that, yeah, like, he would he would do that, like, oh, I, I can't speak, blah, blah, blah. But she said on the side, they, they would talk all the time. So, like, I think a lot of it is, yeah, you want to present, you don't want to be a dummy. Like, I play baseball good. Ooh, yeah, right. We lose. We, but at the same time, you know, I think it's, it's probably halfway, you know, somewhere in the middle. Some guys, I think, just want to, like, and I, I can't blame them. Look. You have a game. You don't want to sit there for 45 minutes talking to these guys. You know, it's just like, all right, just want to go home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, true, true. All right, let's move over. First base, we've got, you know, I, I actually wasn't sure. Um, you know, it's looking like Luke Voigt is going to be their starter. Uh, you know, Mike Ford a little bit in the background. Um, what's your thoughts on first base? Yeah, I uh, mean, uh, as I've been saying this for years before, though, I was bummed out. I was really hoping Bird would work out because this to me, yes. I mean, he, defensive skills were there. Left-handed hit a Yankee Stadium. Again, flashes of Don Mattingly. Yep. I was just really bummed out. that, But, again, he's hurt at all times. So he had to cut him loose. But, um, yeah, I think the same thing. I think you're going to see it mostly Voight there. It's just, I like Voight. Again, it's, it's a cool – he's like kind of a blue-collar guy that came out of nowhere. But – I just – is this a little clunky at first? You know, I mean, I guess he'll yeah. get better over time. Yeah. But Ford's obviously has – is I think better – you know, Ford, like, I think handles the position better. But, again, Voight, his bat probably gives a little more of a plus. So, again, I, I think you'll see, like, you know, 65%, maybe 70% Voight, and then Mike Ford there, just depending on if it's a righty or lefty. It also depends on, you know, who's being a DH. But, you know, I just think first base, like, I don't know, I don't know either of those guys are long-term solutions. I mean, um, it, you know, again, Ford's a nice – little piece but I think again 
we have power all over the place and good hitting. Like you don't need like a superstar at first. So I think we're good there. Again, it's mostly going to be Voight. And hopefully, again, he was kind of hurt last year as well. I mean, he was supposed to – supposedly like a, he had like a hernia yeah. or something. And like right. He, he was pretty much like a non-factor really in the playoffs. So, again, hopefully he's healed and uh, get a full season. Hey, he'll be okay. I think we'll be okay there. Again, not wowed by it, but it, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I have an issue with Voight and all the bicep curls he does – in the off season, <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's just like a monster. big enough. Let's focus. I, you know, I've talked about this a lot on the show recently with the injuries and how a lot of these guys are trying to be bodybuilders and have these physiques. And I always go back to Jeter, who I always used to hear focused more on just baseball specific exercises and a guy like John Cruck, who his famous quote that I always think of was, I'm, I'm not an athlete, I'm a baseball player. <laughs> so I, you know, I can respect these guys for being in shape, but I think this, I think lifting weights is a little too much. And I think Luke Voigt like loves his arms and I wish he would get a, a little bit more athletic and toned down on the lifting. So when you said clunky, I was like, oh, absolutely. That's a perfect word for him and his, gigantic upper body <laughs> yeah man because you can't get down to feel the ball and just in general like i think i think you'll see a little backlash just because all these guys being injured all the time like you guys got guys making like a quarter of a billion dollars who would be so useless because they have like muscle rips and tears and i yeah. i think at some point there'll be like a backlash of this like all right let's just get these guys like in shape nimble not jacked but the problem is you know it's that's the game it is now it's, it's all home runs it's small ballparks and it's like you know, if yeah. you, don't, you don't get a good, good like there's been times like judge doesn't get a good swing on a ball and it goes out like, right. Like, he'll get it <laughs> off his hands and it goes. Yeah. Out. So it's like, you can't blame him for wanting to do that. But the, he, these guys got to trim down and like, yeah, him doing like the one he does like the one handed uh, bench press. of like yeah. 400 Yes. Yes. I remember that video. It's like, okay, it's like dude, I was like, Oh, that's great. But like you take a swing, you're going to rip your chest muscle. That's why these guys have like obliques all the time. And you know, it's just, yep. um, yeah, these guys got to trim down though. It's a little bit. But the funny thing about uh, Mike Ford, he has like a he's like a soft, he's like a John Crook softball player um, physique. So he is, yes, yes. Can have two more opposite guys at first base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. And you know, during those playoffs when Voigt was hurt, and then Mike Ford did not make the roster, and he was hot at the end of the year. I was kind of hoping that he would have gotten a playoff spot and and got some got some games in because yeah. he was kind of like there, you know, at the end he had a couple of those walk-offs. He was like the, the magic, the, the good luck charm. Yeah. Him uh, and Taubman were uh, pretty amazing. And at the time I was like, you know, we need a left-handed bat. We need a left-handed bat. But they were like, no, we got these guys in the system. I was like, oh, yeah, these guys are pretty good actually. Yeah. Yeah. So rest of the infield, we have DJ LeMayu who Pretty much, he like instantly became my favorite Yankee player last year. Oh yeah, just phenomenal. Loved him. We got Glaber, and we've got Geo, and we have back if he's going to be in the infield. You know, I know he's in the outfield taking uh, some reps in spring training. Miguel and Duhar. What are your thoughts on that? And who should play which position in your opinion this year? Well, I, I definitely. I've been saying this on my show. I've been preaching on this episode. I want Geo at third. Uh, I love his defense. I mean, he's a shutdown defender at third. And, again, it's a position that you can't play games with. Uh, again, it's important because ball gets by, that's a double. So I want Gio at third. And I understand Andahar well, maybe once in a while I'll spell him a little bit, but I want, like, Gio getting, like, 90% of the starts there just yeah. because he's just so far yeah. superior. And you think, all right, maybe his bat last year was a bit of a sophomore, you know, whatever, uh, you know, uh, he was just like a flash in a pan and maybe this year will be like a sophomore jinx in a way, but uh, no, he was having a good spring before they shut it down. So I was like, he, he, it looks like he just clicked in for him. So I want him a third. I think now in terms of defensively, I think we'll be on par with DD and Glabor at short. So like Glabor going to short, I don't think we lose anything defensively because I, I think he's just a good defender either way. I just think actually second base might hurt us a little bit. Just, not that DJ LeMayo is not a good defender, but, I think what helped him last year is that he was able to play a lot of first base, a lot of play at third base, where you're not moving around as much at second base. So yeah. if he's going to go left to right a little bit, A, I just don't think getting to a ball, he'll be as good as Glaybaugh was at second. So I think we lose a little there. And maybe just you know him burning himself out a little bit, this energy-wise at second base, 
Um, maybe that maybe affects his bat. Maybe he's not going to be as good. Uh, I mean, he'll, he's going to be good, but I don't maybe not be as good offensively. I just think it helped him last year where he was pretty much by September and even the playoffs, he was only doing first base where it's an important position, but you're not running around as much. So I think that's going to be interesting. So I think they'll find ways to like dispel um, LeMayo. And that's why even though Ford, um, you see Ford and Voight will be slotted in first base, I think also they'll just try to put uh, LeMayo there as much as possible as well. Just give him kind of like, a day, even though he's in the lineup like a day off in a way, just kind of put him at first base and have like Tyler Wade or something at second just to spell him out a little bit. So, you know, probably def- defensively, I think we might be not as – because I think we were better off last year having Didi and Glabar up the middle versus Glabar yeah. and DJ. So, not say we'll be garbage or we'll be good, but I think we lost a little defensively there. And Andohar – uh, I don't know. He might be like an Eduardo, Eduardo Nunez a little bit. I, I don't think he'll ever be a, a great defender. Like, obviously, he's better than Eduardo Nunez, but cause Nunez was just, like, terrible. But yeah. But yeah. I feel like is, like, getting a great bat. I just think he's a position where it's like, there's no place for him, really, because he's not a great infielder. I guess he experiments a little bit. You know, obviously, he can play third. Right. But if you can do anything, maybe just try left field. Because right? I think it's easy to flag, uh, flag fly balls versus playing first, first base hard. You've got to dig ground balls. Yeah. Footing yeah. right. Like everyone's always, you know, everyone's like, oh, just put him at first base. It's not easy. It's, it's a tough position. So I feel yeah. Andahar, he's going to be around. Uh, they'll find a place for him. But, you know, it might be a situation where, hey, look, if, um, if Judge and Stanton are just going to be out for a while, maybe this opens up a door for guys like, you know, Andahar and Frazier. Yeah, yeah, uh, really great points there, and and yeah, they have been like in spring training, looking like trying to find a spot for Andujar, and like you said, first base is not an easy position. I feel like you can't just shove anybody over there. Um, you know, third. You know, it's funny with Andujar in the off season. They, there was a couple of videos that he put out and people like, yeah, the, some half the people freaking out and being like, oh, he looks so great at third base taking, you know, he's taking fungos there. <laughs> and then other people going, he's, he's still got the, 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 you know, he still has that hitch. And um, it's funny. It was like split down the middle, I think. And he, like you said, he can hit. Um, I do like him. Uh, I like him as part of the team. It's just kind of, you know, he's, he's been odd man out. Uh, yeah. So that's the problem with us. We have like too many of these like right-handed power hitters where they kind of like don't really have a position and like, you know, I'll say I'll put a boat of them in like Clint Frazier, Andujar, Voigt, in a way to Stanton a little bit. Um, cause you just have these guys who like, you know, probably should be DHs. Judge yeah. is a legit right fielder. He's a gold glover. So, I mean, that's his position. He's, but then other than that, we have like five right-handed power-hitting DHs who aren't really great fielders. Yeah, 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 it is. And speaking of all those guys, we can shift to the outfield. And it's kind of crazy when you think about what's going on with the injuries. And then the other possibility of if the season starts, let's say in May, and some of these guys come back. So let's run down the list. We have Judge, if he comes back. Stanton, if he's back, which he seemed like he was on the mend and going to be back if they start in May. Ah, Gardy, Talkman, Frazier, maybe Andujar in the mix, and Aaron Hicks, who's out. Um, Not even sure when he's coming back. Yeah. Um, and let's see, did I miss anybody? That's that's seven. Did I say Clint Frazier? Yeah, you got him. We have like okay. yeah, we have like twenty outfielders. It's, that are... <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, we'll put Hicks aside because he's with Tom and John. You don't know when he's going to come back. But you look yeah. at yeah, with him like a center fielder, you're paying 120 million dollars to, but who knows when you'll see him? Gone. He's definitely penciled in because he's just there. He's the general, and so he's going to be a center fielder. So he's just old, reliable. Other than that, I think yep. you know. See, the thing with Frazier, his bat, like, he's, he, you go, put him in a game, he'll two home runs. It's just he can't, he can't play the outfield that good. Yeah. So, so I think even though Talkman maybe doesn't have the offensive proudness of Frazier, I think, I think they just like Talkman in terms of, A, his defense is better than Frazier. And this B, has a, he has, like, baseball instincts. Like, he steals bait. Like, he, you look at him, he's not like he doesn't, like, wow you physically, but – he steals bases. He goes from first to third. He's just a good, hard-nosed player. So I think they actually favor Tachman over Frazier. 
uh, with that. Yeah. In terms of coming back, it seems like, yeah, Stanton's a little closer than Judge was. Maybe we both get him back at the same time. But with Judge, when they're kind of floating the idea of maybe have to like remove a rib, that's not really good news. So, you know, it's like I think Stanton will be back. But even the two of them, I just I don't know if you're going to get a full season at him or, or if they're there, like what they're going to give you. But I think in terms of like those – see, those guys, like they'll hit you a bunch of home runs and getting you to playoffs is great. But the guys that win you playoff games are like a Talkman like a pain in the neck player that will drop a bunt, again, go from like first to third. So um, in, my, in a way it might even help because, again, a lot of the a lot of times, we, you know, just going back from the early 2000 Yankees when we had like Jambi and like Rondell White and all whatever. Oh, man. Having all these big power hitters, it's like, all right, it's great. But like those guys don't win you playoff games. When you play those games, these gritty guys that like, you know, yeah. you're Talkman. So, those, so, so even if like Judge and Stando comes back and we have a shortened season, you know, we're going to have enough offense. So it might almost be a blessing in disguise because a guy like Stan in the playoffs, he just, those, those guys just don't, they, they ground out, they strike out. All right. You might have a great run like A-Rod did in 2009, but overall those guys is in the playoffs. They, they're not, they're not the grinders. You know, those guys don't win your game. So, so yeah. in a way, if they're yeah. hurt, they don't come back in a way, you know, if it elevates someone like a talkman to get in there, you might not think about it, but that actually might be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, last year when Talkman got injured, he had a really good August at that point. I can't remember. I think he got injured either end of August, beginning of September. And I, you know, he really, uh, he stepped up in my opinion. I was not expecting really anything from him. And you look through that season and he had some really good moments. And then in August, he was actually leading the league in a couple of yeah. categories that month. And when he went down, you know, with all the injuries the Yankees had last year, him going down at that point, I think I felt the, I felt the worst for him because he was, he was on his way of making a playoff roster spot. And I, I was, I, I would think I, he was the most, I was the most upset of losing him just because of how much, he gave to the team and stepped up and because of the contributions I thought he would give in the playoffs. So that was, that was really unfortunate. I felt bad for the guy. Yeah. And but I think by that point of the season, I was just numb for injuries because we were just getting him every week. So I was like, yeah, I just add another one to the list. And someone come up from like, you know, whatever, the fourth bench guy will come up and be awesome. So yeah, but that was a bummer. And I think that's the way they sold out this spring too. Like, I, Hey, look, we, we got, we had like no roster last year. We won 103 games. So let's do the same thing. So then you see Severino go down and then judge goes down. So yeah, it worked for us last year. So let's do it again this year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So we will see. We will see what happens with the 2020 season. Um, you know, and obviously we didn't even get to the pitchers. And, um, you know, we've got Cole uh, Severino gone now. Paxton with that crazy all of a sudden injury at the beginning of spring training. It seems like he, if there's a shortened season that's starting in just like we've been saying, let's say May, uh, possibility of him coming back. We've got Tanaka. Um, Hap. It, it, Hap. He's, and he was looking good, actually. I, th- I thought he, um, just for a couple of stars, he looks like he's slimmed down compared to last year. So he looks thinner. And he's just throwing strikes. So he, I mean, he actually looks like, the, I mean, again, yeah, two spring, two or three spring training games. But he really looks sharp. And, you know, so I think we're going get, to get a much better Hap than we did last season. And then you got, of course, Montgomery floating around. Yep. Uh, and Herman, at some point, you know, with that suspension, uh, you know, he would be available. I mean, that's a 20-game winner. You just kind of forget about him, but he is a 20-game yeah. winner. So, um, yeah, I mean, Severino's a big blow because I thought we were going to have the best one-two combo in baseball with Cole and Severino stepping up, you know, maturing and kind of having what, you know, we used to have with Cole and Verlander. We would have a Cole and Severino, but now that's going right. to be on the hiatus. So, I think it's it's enough starting pitching. I think if we, if we had so if we had the Cole and Severino really hot, Going into a playoff series, I mean, they could just shut that. That would really make me feel good about World Series. So, you know, so it is Bumble Lewis Severino, but we have such also a sick bullpen as well that I think it makes up for that. True. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one guy in there in the mix, Jordan Montgomery, he was real, you know, he was becoming to me a really, he was on the track of becoming a really good pitcher. Um, you know, those, uh, you know, when he first came up, you know, from I never had heard really anything about him, and he 
performed pretty well as a rookie. And then his, I, what, did he have two years? And then in his third year, he got hurt early in the season, or I think that's what it was, right? It felt like, he, I don't know. It felt like he came up, you know, you have to look back at like, he felt like he came up like 2017. And I don't know. I think perhaps towards the end of 2017, like he needed the Tommy John. So that's why he was out. Uh, pretty much for most of 2018. I think he, and then he came back for like two weeks, something like that. Like he was out. I don't know if he had the Tommy John after the 2017 season or something like that. Like he, he was around for like a little, like half a season, pretty good. And then Tommy John kind of took him out for like a season and a half or something. But yeah, I could be wrong. But yeah, no, when he was in there, he was looking pro again, nothing flashy, nothing that like wow you, but like, hey, this is a good serviceable, almost like a Ted Lilly type where it's like, hey, this guy could be a major leaguer. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. you know, see what works out. I mean, yeah, I want to say like he could. Wow, that's the next Andy Pettit or something. But no, he was looking like, hey, this could be a serviceable right. starting pitcher in the major leagues. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and especially a lefty. And um, yeah, I forget what year it was. I'm I'm mixing it up, but I remember he started off. Whether it was 2018, uh, it probably he started off really well. I think he was like two and zero early in the season, and I was like, this guy's gonna be a solid pitcher. And then he goes down with the injury. So now that he is uh, seemed like he was back and going to make a, a rotation, I was really excited to see how he was this year. And, uh, you know, like you said, still have a really solid bullpen. Those guys uh, obviously have to step up, and, and hopefully it would be the type of thing where they wouldn't have to take such a big load like they did last year, um, you know, so many guys getting so much work uh, made me wonder if they were all pretty burnt at the end of the year last year, you know, especially yeah, I mean, I think, the opener thing that exactly. they were doing last year. And I think like Adovito was, was toast because he had nothing really in the playoffs. I mean, he was good during the regular season, but like in the playoffs, he had nothing. Uh, yeah. he, I think he was totally spent. Chapman was okay, but again, but Chapman, they relied on him a lot as well. But it's, I think, you know, again, having Cole, someone that could give you seven, eight innings, you know, for certain stretches, that's going to help the bullpen. Cause last year, like uh, pretty much our starters barely go five and then it's like, all right, bullpen time. Yeah. So I think having yeah. a good Cole, and I think it seems like Paxson, like he was stepping up. I know he had the injury in late, late September that kind of carried over, but once he gets over this little back thing, whatever it is, I think there's an opportunity for him to be that guy that we thought we were getting, you know, a lefty, 30, 31 years old, could throw hard. So I think he could step up, be a good number two. So I think that helps the bullpen. And now we have these bullpen rules where a guy comes out and he's going to have to face a minimum of three battles. Oh, so, my goodness. That's right. So the, the workload's going to be – I guess they'll find a way to manage it out. But I think, in a, again, they could work it where, well, instead of pitching a guy three days in a row, well, now you have to pitch him one and give him two days off or something like that. So maybe in some crazy way, and plus the idea we might have a shortened season, might actually benefit the bullpen. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Good points. Very good points. Well, we will see. We will see what happens with this season and uh, keep our fingers crossed that we get some baseball in 2020. So, James, let's hear a little bit about some of your favorite players from the Yankees over the years. Is there, do you have a favorite player or maybe even a top three to five? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say probably very high on that list would be Paul O'Neill. Uh, oh, just yeah. Because just, you know, not a flashy superstar, just a good hard-nosed player. Um, got to meet him once, got an autograph. Oh, um, yeah. Actually, it was actually at the old stadium because where the Yankees come out of the dressing room and go to the to the to their parking lot at the old stadium, they, yeah. there, they would have a police barrier there. But, you know, you could go near and try to get some autographs. So, yeah, yeah I got an autograph. He came out. It was after a game in 94. He, he stunk like B.O. He <laughs> He looked pissed off as hell, but he signed my ball, so that was nice of him. Uh, but I, I just liked him. Just, you know, again, kind of a quiet, just a grinder. So I liked him. Um, also, in terms, in terms of, uh, you know, pitching, that's like Mariano, same thing. Like, even though he's probably the greatest, but he's not really like a superstar. He's this very, very humble guy. Yeah. Um, just liked him. Again, his approach to humble guy. And again, that's, that's pretty much the guys I like. Loved Mike Mussina, even though he never really got a championship. Yeah, um, they, yeah. I, I really love that signing. In fact, funny enough, uh, I knew the, uh, someone who worked in the equipment room when they signed him, and even before uh, getting back to Bellinger, even before they announced that his signing, um, he he kind of gave me the tip. Said, "Yeah, they contacted uh, Clay Bellinger. Say uh, we're taking your number thirty-five because Messina wants it." 
So I didn't even give him an option. It's pretty much took it <laughs> off the decks. So I kind of had oh, wow. a heads. So I knew the Mucino sign was going to happen before they officially announced it. Wow. The guy told me. So I liked Mucino a lot. Uh, and again, I was championing for him to make the Hall of Fame. I had like three episodes. I was like crying for it and it did happen. So <laughs> it's happening for there. Um, in terms of his current Yankee roster, um, I don't know if I have like really one guy that sticks out. I mean, I, um, I don't know. I mean, I like, I like them all evenly. I mean, I guess maybe Tanaka again, just kind of that quiet professional type. Um, um, yeah, I'm mean, pretty much uh, those guys are mine. And I also like, I kind of going back a little bit, Wade Boggs. I like, had him. Again, he was only around for a couple yeah. of years. But again, just those good grind, old fashioned type of ball players. Um, you know, he kind of had a bit of Donald Manningly esque in him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Nice, nice. Are you, let me ask you, uh, bringing up Paul O'Neill, are you like me? a super fan of his in the broadcasting booth. He cracks me up oh, when yeah. he is in there and makes it, I don't know, to me it makes it interesting. You know, my wife will listen, will uh, watch a game with me, and she, she, thinks, she thinks Paul O'Neill was the biggest baby uh, ever. And um, she's always making fun of him when he used to have the temper tantrums and all that. And um, I just love the intensity of him. But him in the booth, she just does the same thing and goes off on him. And she's like, all he does is talk about food. And I think it's hysterical. I love it. How about you? Oh, no, I do it. But the funny part is it's like such an exact opposite from when he was a player. That's like, you never saw that. Like, like once in a while they'll do these little jam sessions, like Bernie will be on the guitar and he'll be on the drums and like wetland will be on. Like he would show a little personality, but he never showed that much personality. And this now he's like a totally different person, much calmer. Uh, I I actually like the whole, I mean, some people complain about something. I like the whole yes cast. I mean, all of them. Yeah. Uh, just Cone, I like. Uh, Lighter when he comes in there. Um, Cave. Uh, Flattery. I always mess his name up. Uh, <laughs> I like the, the only one that was kind of boring was they had like Lou Pinella in there a little bit. He yeah. was just kind of like, yeah. he was just like kind of slow and just kind of offbeat and just kind of hand that Southern twing a little bit, even though it's like harder. <laughs> I don't know. I, I came yeah. kind of, and Buck Showalter is kind of mixed feelings on that because. I don't know. I guess he's okay, but he's, I still see him as an Oriole, so I don't know. I can't get comfortable oh. with him. But I like him all. Singleton, Cone, um, you know, K, all of them. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I, I really do too. Um, yeah, I actually like Buck Walter. Um, I always felt that uh, poor Buck didn't um, kind of got a little bit of a raw deal and, and got shipped out before – before the Yankees, uh, you know, got Joe Torre and, and all those amazing years, I, I I felt bad for him. Yeah, he didn't deserve that because he was the one who kind of brought them back to prom, you know, yeah. towards the promised land. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember the story. Oh, if you read the I think the Torre book, they were actually even though he like he can show Walter, they were actually uh, Steinbrenner was almost having second thoughts. He was even thinking of bringing him back, almost like. Oh. Um, but it was just kind of like I guess they already had Torre at the time, so they couldn't really go back on it. But I think. And that's probably one thing he probably felt bad with. Yeah, I guess that was, that was Steinbrenner still in his prime with just firing everyone for no reason. <laughs> yes. So, like, then after that, kind of Steinbrenner just chilled out. And, of course, he you know, started getting, like, the, you know, whatever, getting old age a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't deserve that. He, he deserved – same way I felt Girardi deserved to take this team to the next level in terms of a go to World yeah. Series and stuff. I felt yeah. Girardi got a bit of a, a raw deal in that. But, you know, you're there for a while. And it's just, you know, got to make changes and – Whatever I got, I got Sam being upset with Buck, you know, to say, you know, same way, like we're up two games and none. You couldn't win one game, but you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, I always uh, felt that way uh, about getting rid of managers, etc. And then, um, you know, I think it was, I, I'm, I'm sure some other people have probably said this, but my, my brother had said something to me, and it was about getting in new coaches, no matter what sport, about the players needing the change and getting, you know, could be the same message, but when it's given from a different manager, like you look at obviously the big differences between Joe Girardi and Aaron Boone and the way they are, you know, their demeanor and how they handle people. And um, so I've looked at it differently now where I'm like, yeah, you know what? I can, I can see where, you know, they need it, you know, the same thing said to them, but in a different way. I guess uh, it's the, uh, not it's it's not what you it's not what you say it's how you say it. <laughs> and this is general so you need a new voice. So no, I could I could totally understand. That. And and actually, if you read that Billy Martin book that came out a couple of years ago, it's like things like the size of like the Old Testament. But it's it's a really good uh, baseball <laughs> book. I, forget, I can't forget the name, but it's 
Billy Bart, it came out like two or three years ago. And really, uh, Buck attributes that a lot of stuff he early, because, you know, Buck was kind of on the Yankees, like single A coaching staff back in yeah. the early, like mid yeah. or early 80s. But he, he attributed a lot of stuff he learned from Billy Martin. And so he, he was kind of the bit of that bridge uh, kind of yeah. um, into the 90s as well, just kind of way of approach to game and everything. But, you know, no, I don't hate Buck. It's just like, I just felt like too soon, you know, like, you know, maybe a year or two, just kind of go into the breeze and then kind of bring him back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, remember Buck? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I do like, I do like his analysis. I think he's a, a smart dude. So I liked uh, seeing him on Yes. But uh, yeah, awesome. Well, James, listen, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, anything you want to plug or anything else that uh, we didn't discuss that you want to get to? Um, no, I think we covered all of this. Uh, yeah, I'll just plug my stuff. Um, so any, if you want to see me uh, in terms of, yeah, like I say, I think if you just Google James Zeiss, I'll pop up somewhere. But uh, my Twitter is <laughs> at, uh, at James Zeiss, so very hard, at James Zeiss. Um, it's a funny thing with me. I haven't really branded my, my Yankees thing separately from my name in terms yeah. of social media. I'm afraid to pull, make, pull, I got to figure that out someday. So, um, yeah, but you catch me there at James F. Zeiss on Instagram. Again, if you want to see some of those sexy pics from, from, the, you know, <laughs> which, um, unfortunately I have clothes on, but yeah, they're still sexy. Pics. <laughs> and of course, just go to YouTube site, tap in section 420 talking Yankees that pop up there. And I also have the show on public access in the Bronx on Bronx okay. TV. So you happen to be visiting Bronx. Your next vacation should be in the Bronx. Also be in Suffolk Absolutely. County. Uh, it's in Suffolk County, Long Island on, on public access. And last but not least in Brooklyn on brick TV. So um, oh, yeah, nice. hitting, hitting some of the boroughs, I still got to hit up Staten Island and Manhattan. I'm working on that and Queens as well. But um, so just getting there, public access TV, internet, and this uh, having fun. And uh, the great thing about it is meeting other Yankee fans like you just, um, you know, pop up and we talk and they come on my show. I go on their show and uh, you know, it's yeah. great. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Did not know about those other, I actually did know about the public access, but uh, you know, you branching out on there. Fantastic. Everybody should go check out um, Section 420 on YouTube and those cable outlets. Um, James's show is really awesome. Uh, you know, we were actually talking about the production of it. Really, really well done and thoughtful. And as you can see from this interview, brings up a lot of great points that um, are unique. I love the takes and uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. All and right, we will we will hopefully have a 2020 season and we'll have to have you come back on the show when the Yankees are in first place in November about to go into the playoffs in December. <laughs> Actually I I want December baseball with the snow and like zero degrees <laughs> out. That would be a true test. We'll see who's the real champ then. That would be something. That would be that would be crazy and and I'd love it. Awesome. All right, James, thanks again. We will see you soon and we will be obviously following you on all of your uh, social media. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We will talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Ciao.